0: To the European Vascular Broadcasts. My name is Medina Vigalcena.
1: And my name is Agla Cavalloni.
0: This month's editor's choice is Long-term survival after femoral popliteal artery revascularization with paclitaxel-coated devices, a propensity score-matched cohort analysis by Dr. Behrend and colleagues.
1: So we're shifting gears and this time we'll be talking about peripheral arterial disease and ephemeral popliteal endovascular treatment. So what did the authors want to investigate in this study?
0: The aim was to compare late survival of patients after endovascular ephemeral popliteal treatment with paclitaxel-coated and uncoated devices, using a propensity school-matched retrospective analysis of health insurance claims from Germany's second-largest insurance company.
1: This article is published in the midst of a controversy surrounding the possible increased risk of death associated with paclitaxel-coated devices.
0: Indeed, this is a timely study. The meta-analysis published by Katsanos in 2018, pooling 4,663 patients from 28 randomized control trials, concluded that all-cause patient death at one year was similar for paclitex cell-coated versus non-coated balloons and stents used in the femoral popliteal segment, but death rates increased significantly after two years and beyond for the coated devices, with numbers needed to harm of 29 at two years and 14 at five years. This meta-analysis warranted a safety signal by the FDA and ignited considerable worldwide debate. Since, a study was published in 2019 analyzing data from Medicare which did not find differences in early mortality. Both studies have been criticized and require other complementary studies to confirm or discard the safety issue. In that sense, this new study is welcome.
1: Because in spite of this controversy, paclitaxel coded devices are used routinely.
0: Yes. Following the safety signal, a few countries have obtained a slight decrease in the use, but they are still routinary in the endovascular armamentarium, given the proven reduction in restenosis in the femoropopleteal sector, as described in the latest guidelines on BAD management. In this study, the authors found an increase in the annual use of paclitaxel cell-coated devices from 3% in 2010 to 39% in 2018 for critical limb ischemia patients and from 4% to 48% in the same years for claudication.
1: Moving back to this specific study, this is a retrospective cohort analysis of patients treated by the German insurance fund Barmer. This fund provides care to about 13% of Germany's population and has been previously validated internally and externally, and for national generalizability. So what patients did they select?
0: They included symptomatic PAD patients, Fontaine stages 2, 3, or 4, with femoropopiteal disease, who received endovascular treatment with balloons or stents between January 2010 and December 2018, with follow-up until the 31st of December of 2018. Hybrid, open procedures, and prior major amputations were excluded. All patients were 40 years or older, with or without diabetic foot ulcers and other peripheral vascular diseases. Any exposure to paclitaxel cell-coated devices in subsequent femoral revascularizations classified the patients in the paclitex cell group, considering this procedure as the index treatment. The non-paclitex cell group included plain balloon angioplasty and or bare metal stent.
1: What were the endpoints of the
0: study? The primary outcome was all-cause mortality. Secondary outcomes were the composite endpoints of amputation-free survival and major cardiovascular events, which included myocardial infarction, stroke, TIA, and all-cause mortality. All outcomes were stratified by claudication and critical limb-threatening ischemia, and by balloon angioplasty and stenting.
1: As the title suggests, the authors included propensity score matching. So what variables were included?
0: The authors quite comprehensively selected variables to try to reduce bias due to confounding effect. All Cox models were adjusted for age, sex, Fontaine stage, cardiac disease, hypertension, COPD, renal failure, liver disease, obesity, cancer, anemia, psychosis, neurodegenerative disorders, depression, lipid lowering, antithrombotic, antihypertensive, or anti-dementive drugs, and the number of different prescriptions in the year before admission the number of previous inpatient admissions, including the index event, and the number of prior PAD outpatient admissions, among others. Sensitivity and quality analyses were performed, and all statistical details of the propensity score matching are available.
1: Let's move on to the results. First, what were the baseline characteristics of the patients? The study included a total of
0: 37,914 patients hospitalized during the study period, with a mean age of 73 years, about half of them men, with a median follow-up of 2.7 years. Patients in the Paclitex cell group tended to be sicker, had more often been hospitalized previously, and had shorter follow-up. After propensity score matching, 21,546 patients were analyzed, and the baseline characteristics were comparable except for a few variables, like shorter follow-up and greater number of prior hospitalizations in the Paclitex cell group.
1: And now to the critical data. What did the authors find regarding their primary outcome, all-cause mortality?
0: After treatment for chronic limb-threatening ischemia, lower mortality was observed in the Baclitex cell-coated device group at 5 years. 31.8% versus 35.8%. The difference was already apparent at 1 year. There was a survival benefit for drug-coated balloons with hazard ratio of 0.82 and for drug eluting stents with a hazard ratio of 0.84 and for both combined with a hazard ratio of 0.83. In the claudication group, mortality was 9.4% and 10.5% respectively at 5 years, significantly lower for the paclitex cell group. There was a significant survival benefit for drug-coated balloons with a hazard ratio of 0.87 and combined balloons and stents with a hazard ratio of 0.88, but not for drug-eluting stents alone. What about the secondary endpoints? Amputation-free survival was significantly better in chronic limb-threatening ischemia patients treated with Paclisex cell devices, with a hazard ratio of 0.85. By the way, this was due to the benefit in survival and not amputation. But not for patients with intermittent claudication, because the benefit for survival was small in these patients and there was no difference in amputation rates. Similarly, there was a lower incidence of major cardiovascular events in the paclitex cell group for critical limb-threatening ischemia patients, with a hazard ratio of 0.82, but not for claudicants.
1: So the results obtained in this study are conflicting with the previous published data.
0: Yes. The authors find the mid-term survival benefit associated with paclitex cell-coated devices in almost all subgroups, The opposite to Katsanos' 2018 meta-analysis, with no significant benefit in amputation for chronic limb-threatening ischemia patients.
1: How do we harmonize these conflicting results? We can't really. We can only take into
0: account the context of each study. The meta-analysis derived its data from randomized controlled trials, offhand better quality evidence, but limited by its inclusion and exclusion criteria, risk of lower external validity, short follow-up, power calculations, etc. Besides, this meta-analysis only included 530 patients with chronic limb-threatening ischemia. The present study is observational, retrospective, a more accurate reflection of the real world, but with worse internal validity, non-comparable groups which required propensity score matching to try to overcome this, but with high risk of overlooked confounders. They both look at reality from two different points of view, and try to measure it. The difference in dosage and coating of Paclitex cell in the different devices in the market does not help either. Benefit or harm could be related to initial or repeated doses or extension of the treated surface, something not assessed in any of the studies. This debate is far from being closed. The results described in the present study establish that the raised flag on potential risk of death associated with these devices is not so clear-cut and may actually not be so or not with all the devices. As highlighted by all authors, there are pieces missing in the puzzle and good quality hypothesis-driven research is needed.
1: Before we finish, let's look at the latest practice guidelines. The 2019 Global Vascular Guidelines on the Management of Chronic Lymph threatening Ischemia recommend that in treating femoral popliteal disease in chronic limb-threatening ischemia patients by endovascular means, adjuncts to balloon angioplasty, like drug-eluting technologies, can be considered when there is a technically inadequate result, residual stenosis, or flow-limiting dissection, or in the setting of advanced lesion complexity. Glass grade 2 to 4, with a weak rate of recommendation and moderate level of evidence. When the guidelines were published, the controversy on the increased mortality related with paclitexel devices was hot, so they included a cautionary statement in the guidelines. The 2017 ESC Guidelines on the Diagnosis and Treatment of Peripheral Arterial Disease, in collaboration with the ESVS, recommend that drug eluting balloons or stents may be considered, in short, less than 25 centimeters lesions, or instant restenosis for the treatment of femoral popliteal occlusive disease, causing invalidating claudication, the class of recommendation 2B and level of evidence A and B, respectively. It does not include any specific recommendations for chronic limb-threatening ischemia patients regarding this issue. So how does this study impact these recommendations?
0: Data is building up, and more data is needed to firmly establish this important issue. This study seems to encourage the use of these devices, especially in the context of critical limb threatening ischemia, and I am sure it will be considered for future updates of the guidelines. As always, I encourage you to read the complete article. Its references, European Journal of Vascular and Endovascular Surgery, Year 2020, Volume 59, Issue 4, pages 587 to 596. It is open access, so available for everyone.
1: Thank you, Melina. Once again, a very interesting discussion. Thank
0: you, Agla. Indeed it was. I look forward to our next podcast.
1: Absolutely. We hope you're all okay. Take care. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye.